BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Like many major U.S. cities, Oakland has seen an increase in gun violence during the pandemic. Last year, Oakland police investigated 134 homicides, the most since 2012. And shootings increased by 21 percent over 2020. Joining us to talk about the spike and his community-based strategies for reducing homicides, we're joined by Oakland's chief of violence prevention, Guillermo Cespedes. Welcome, Chief Cespedes. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So can you talk to me about how what you're doing differs from traditional policing? Like, I know you're not part of the police department. You have your own office. Yes, we are not part of the police department. And Oakland has, as many cities have, have voted to implement a public health approach to violence reduction. What that means is that... um, you know, the police has a very specific job of arresting people that are committing crimes. We have a kind of longer term job of rehabilitating um, the people that are showing behaviors that are problematic, but also strengthening families and communities so that behavior change becomes sustainable. Yes. So we, have, it, we work more with relationships than handcuffs. Um, we travel in a different lane than the police department. But the work is complementary. Yeah. I mean, when you say public health approach, like how far do you take that metaphor? Like, do you think about primary care and secondary care? Like, uh, how do you how do you implement a public health approach to violence prevention? Well, in fact, you do think of primary care, secondary care and, you know, from a technical p- point of view and tertiary care. And primary care is basically, you know, every resident that lives in an area that is exposed to violence, but they are not involved in violence. Um, the same way that you're exposed to COVID and mm-hmm. that you'll find just wearing a mask. Secondary care is those folks who are a little bit more, um, have underlying conditions from the community that makes them more prone to initial forms of violence. And, and tertiary are those that are fully impacted by the disease of violence. So we do look at violence as a communicable disease. Uh, So the metaphor 
it, it's, you know, the public health approach is very much aligned with the medical approach to public health. So, I mean, you joined the city in 2019, right before the pandemic, to okay. implement this public health approach. And Correct. then you were just smacked with this this crisis, which extends far beyond Oakland, but is really also quite severe here in our city. Can you talk to me about what it's been like to try to implement this kind of new approach while the world is tossing you this incredibly difficult situation on the ground? Well, look, we, we all know that between from 2020 to 2021, there was a single, the highest single year spike nationally ever since we've been keeping uh, data on homicides. Um, 34% increase uh, spike in homicides. So Oakland is not alone in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the difficulty has been that um, some of this violence is, is more spread out than just related to group or gangs or, in other words, there's been um, violence associated with groups, violence associated with quality of life issues. All of us have been very stressed out with, mm-hmm. with the pandemic. Um, we're a little cranky, to say the least. Uh, this leads to what before used to be a, you know, a discussion between neighbors. Now that may escalate into an argument. Others escalating to a shooting. So it's been a random, um, more pervasive form of violence and not just gun-related violence, but also um, different forms of gender-based violence. So it's been very, very difficult. Um, However, um, you know, I'm lucky to lead a team. I came in in 2019 and you're right, by March 2006, the pandemic was um, starting to impact all of us. And uh, 2000, July 2021, the city council voted to expand um, the, the range and the staffing and the funding of the Department of Violence Prevention. So we were able to start implementing some strategies that are showing promise. But it's been very difficult for all of my colleagues across the country and you know, I fully understand that data does not consult families that have lost members. So I don't want to get into the numbers too much, but I don't think any violence prevention expert has lived through this period before. Mm, wow. I mean, and you've been doing this work for decades. I mean, you were down in uh-huh. Los Angeles working uh, for years to do violence prevention work. What did you learn down there that you've brought up to Oakland? Well, you know, my work is a constant learning process and and you really, um, so yes, I learned in LA that I was responsible for developing a citywide comprehensive strategy using a public health approach. Um, Between 2007 and 2014, we saw um, almost 50% reduction in nine categories of gang-related crime. Um, And this was all particularly based on a, it was based on a place-based approach to violence reduction. Um, Then I was recruited by the State Department to implement the same strategies in Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, four countries in the Eastern Caribbean and North Africa. So um, what I've learned is that you have to remain humble and the violence mutates. And um, there are things that have worked, but you have to adapt them and each city is different. So Oakland is very unique. Um, yeah, talk to me about that. What's different about here? Well, I, I think, number one, I think probably one of the cities in the country with the 
uh, most intense and committed level of community engagement. Um, that means um, more accountability, more discussion, um, and um, you know, a lot of emphasis on culturally congruent practices, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of emphasis in not pathologizing communities, um, very humanistic, very um, socially conscious city. So um, that's what makes it different. And uh, yeah. that's, that's an advantage to some degree. I think um, the fact that Oakland has funded violence prevention through vi- through ballot measures for many years, um, it's pretty unusual. Most cities don't have the voters set aside property taxes or parking taxes to fund violence prevention. So yeah. Oakland is a small city comparing comparison to LA, Chicago, um, et cetera, but is, is in fact one of the leaders in, in the field of violence prevention. We're talking with Oakland's Chief of Violence Prevention, Guillermo Cespedes. What questions do you have for Chief Cespedes? We know this violence has been affecting lots and lots of people. Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, KQED Forum, and of course the emails forum at kqed.org. You know, you mentioned the amount of sort of civic commitment in Oakland, a number of groups that are sort of active. How does your department sort of interface with those groups like, you know, I'm one that comes to mind is sort of the, the anti-police terror project and people who've been trying to work with communities to alternative approaches to community safety. How, how do you work with them if you do? We work with all community groups and uh, the Department of Violence Prevention is not a building in Franco Gawa Plaza. It's really a network of CBOs and um, uh, community leaders. So m- most of our implementation is done through community-based organizations and community groups. The funding that was uh, provided to the Department of Violence Prevention in July, which was $17.4 million over two years, um, was part of the Reimagine Public Safety Task Force recommendations of Oakland. So um, we do work with community-based organizations. We we're currently in the midst of a um, funding um, roughly $20 million worth of community services to nonprofits. We're going through the um, RFQ process, a request for qualification process. So we work hand in hand with, we do do some direct practice ourselves, but we work hand in hand with community groups and that includes all of the community groups that apply for funding Mm-hmm. to the Department of Violence Prevention. Yeah. When you say direct practice, that means you have caseworkers, and what do they do? Well, I have staff that, for example, in the last six months, my staff and I have responded to over 300 executive notifications of shootings. That means that we receive a notice from the police department that a shooting injury has take, shooting with injury has taken place. We actually deploy into the field 24-7, mm. 365 days a year. Wow. Uh, and that means we go to crime scenes, hospital scenes. And the idea is to, to accomplish three things. One is to reduce the potential for retaliation. Mm. A lot of the violence we're concerned about is the violence that goes back and forth between neighborhoods, um, retaliatory violence. Two, we want to reduce the level of trauma to families by kind of wrapping our arms around them 
in the midst of, you know, the most horrendous event for them. And three is that we really want to improve the relationship between city government and these neighborhoods by being present, by showing up um, in the middle of the night, um, 24 seven, um, 365 days a year. That's one of the lessons that I brought from LA um, and I have an amazing team that does that. So my staff responds. It's not my staff, I don't own them. The team that I right. responds and so do um, violence interrupters that are contracted by community-based organizations. So we call it the triangle incident response because it's DVP, community-based organizations and law enforcement responding together. Yeah. Do you think that that, obviously the absolute numbers are up, but there's these structural pressures of the pandemic that are causing some of this violence and, and you know, not limited here to Oakland. But do you think you'd had an ameliorative effect on that on that violence by by responding to those crime scenes? And and how would you know if you were having an effect uh, yeah. in this context? Well, great, great question. We, um, you know, we track data all the time. And so, and we don't track one single intervention because, it, you know, violence is created by multiple variables. So you have to address it at multiple levels. So for example, um, from November 22nd to December 17th, we rolled out um, something that we call town nights and we did it in eight of the uh, recreational facilities facilities throughout the city with the highest levels of violence. We contracted um, in police peace with the highest levels of violence. We contracted with uh, community-based organizations and they implemented an approach that sounds very simple, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at night, Friday nights, they put together community engagement events. Um, we have roughly 1,500 people for Friday, we did it for four consecutive Fridays, and then we looked at data from 2020 for that same period and compared it to 2021. Uh, this is not yet a scientific study. We're still doing data analysis, but what we found is that for the period between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m., comparing 2021 to 2020, um, there was a reduction of 90% in shootings with injuries. And if we looked at the entire weekend, there was a 66% reduction. Now, we're not ready to step out and say to community residents, this is scientific um, um, you know, evidence because we don't have a randomized treatment and control and all of that. But so we look at what we do and it tells us whether we're going in the right direction or not. So everything we do is action, measurement, reflection, retweaking, and then action again. So that same process we're going to duplicate um, from Juneteenth through July 4th weekend um, during the summer. And again, measure the data. So unlike other approaches to public safety, we have tremendous a tremendous mandate to use data to prove the effectiveness of what we're doing. And, um, and we welcome that. So everything we do, we measure. Let's bring in our uh, first caller, uh, Mike in San Leandro. Hey, Mike. 
Uh, I think no mic. Put the phone on mute. Oh, there you go. Can Mike. you hear me? Yes, we can, Mike. Go ahead. I'm on. I'm in San Leandro, and uh, we have uh, a lot of you know periodic crime that spills in from East Oakland, and I feel really bad for the uh, residents of East Oakland, primarily African American, um, who are living um, in uh, experiencing a lot of violence and crime, and. Uh, Oakland, with the the increase, has been nationwide, but Oakland is starting at a much higher amount of crime. And I uh, would like to know, you know, Mr. Suspeda says he doesn't want to talk about the numbers and data. He mentions that his time in L.A. saw a decrease, but that overlapped with Bill Bratton who was the, both the police chief of New York and L.A., and in both cities saw tremendous decreases in, in crime with his strategies. Uh, and I just don't see this working in Oakland. Um, uh, obviously, let's, ceasefire... Let's, yeah, let's get Guillermo's uh, chief Cespedes' uh, reaction to that, Mike. Thank you. We've just got just a few minutes left. Yeah, well, in L.A., I, you're... You're correct. There was I was I worked with Bill Bratton for roughly a year and then with Charlie Beck as the chief of police. Everything that I do has to be aligned. Public safety is not um, when I talk about a public health approach that does not include exclude constitutional um, effective enforcement. And that's kind of a different arm of what we do. I believe you started to mention the, the strategy of ceasefire. And what we do is complementary to that. So everything that we're doing is not separate of, it is not a separate approach to community safety. Um, community safety does require effective social programs that make violence reduction sustainable and effective constitutional fair um, enforcement. Um, the difference is that I, my job is not to do the enforcement. Yeah. And, um, Chief Cespedes, what do you say to sort of, I mean, the the sort of implicit uh, critique there is that people need to just, you know, there needs to just be like harder nose policing, right? I mean, you do hear that in in some sections of the community and obviously a lot of pushback against it in others. Well, you know, I don't I don't respond to that with with a negative response. I think residents are. um you know, this is a period of time where most of the U.S., urban America, is frightened. And I think what we're frightened, our tendency is to want more policing. So, um, you know, the issue of whether um, policing alone um, is the answer to community safety, I think there's a lot of evidence, um, not just from L.A., but from other cities, that it requires a balanced approach. So I don't think it's either or. It's is one and the other. So I think to the caller and to other residents out there that, you know, our, our goal is to to complement, um, to, to implement multiple forms of violence reduction strategies. Violence does not become reduced by, it's not reduced by just one sim, uh, single um, recipe, if you will. We've been talking with Oakland's Chief of Violence Prevention, Guillermo Cespedes. Thank you so much for joining us, Chief Cespedes. 
I'm Alexis Madrigal. This has been Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.